This episode of Safe Space Radio is brought to you by Physicians for Social Responsibility and listeners like you. From WMPG, I'm Ann Hallward, a psychiatrist in Portland, Maine, and this is Safe Space Radio, a show about the subjects we would struggle with less if we could talk about them more. Today we continue our series on hidden emotions, stories and conversations about loneliness, guilt, humiliation, and today's topic, jealousy. We'll be bringing you two stories about the awful kind of jealousy that really eats at you and makes you want to hide. We have two courageous tellers who are willing to share their jealousy story, trusting that all of us will know what they're talking about, although probably too few of us have really dared to share it with someone else. We'll be exploring some of what makes that so hard to do. As we've been doing throughout this series, I'll be having a short conversation with a storyteller after they tell their story. One thing that leapt out at me after airing so many stories about loneliness and guilt is that jealousy provokes a lot more laughter. Maybe because there's so much relief in finally getting it out and finding out that you're not alone. Here's our first story from Monique. Hi, my name is Monique. I'm a psychotherapist in New York City. I've been practicing for approximately 35 years And um, when I got the email from Anne talking about jealousy and other emotions that most of us carry and don't want to talk about it, like humiliation, and my response was immediately, oh my goodness, who doesn't have all of those? And so I wrote back to her and she said, well, would you be willing to do an interview? And my immediate reaction was, no way, not happening. And then I started thinking about the impact that Brene Brown's talks have had on me and many of my friends and colleagues in her openness around her feelings of shame and uh, how, as a culture, we tend, even among us professionals, we tend to not talk about those things that so many of us share. So I started thinking about it and decided that I would do it. And then this weekend, I was in a training. So there are 12 therapists plus the master teacher, and I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm a good clinician. And as the weekend went on, I started getting really jealous that it was that woman who was doing the teaching and not me. But then this other part came up and said, What do you have to offer? And so I started feeling humiliated that I didn't have what she had so that I could be doing the teaching rather than her. And the more I felt that, the more my body felt like it was getting smaller and smaller. I didn't want to connect with the other women in the group because, of course, they all knew that I was a fake, while this as a woman was obviously fabulous, which she was. And then I felt so humiliated. And then the humiliation took me to, well, you're stupid. You don't know anything, which amped up the feeling of jealousy, which made me want to just run out of the room. So I'm sitting there feeling smaller and smaller and angrier and more humiliated, and more jealous. It was lovely. So then I thought, get a grip. 
And um, I started using my mindfulness practice and having compassion for all these parts that carry all these negative beliefs and realizing that we all carry it, that there's something in our competitive culture that makes all of us have a tinge of those feelings and how sad that we never talk about it. And so I started talking about it in the group and 12 women went, yeah, me too. And it created such a, I'm, I'm getting all choked up just thinking about it. It created such a bonding around all these unacknowledged beliefs that we all carry, all these like unacknowledged feelings that we all carry. And out of this sense of jealousy and humiliation and not enoughness came this beautiful sense of compassion and lovingness for all of us. And at one point, I actually told the teacher and she laughed and said, what makes you think that I don't have that? So um, the courage to actually say that which I felt so embarrassed even feeling ended up connecting all of us at a deeper level. So Monique, when I hear that story, my, my immediate response is to be aware of my jealousy, that instead of thinking, oh, the work that Safe Space Radio <laughs> is doing to reduce shame, that instead you thought of Brene Brown. <laughs> so I have this completely parallel jealousy of like, oh, how come Brene Brown is like the big shame person? So I was just oh, so with thank you. you for that. <laughs> yeah, we all do that. The other thing that really struck me is that um, I know when I feel jealous, there is that immediate kind of shame that follows it. So I, f I feel like jealousy is shame squared. It's like I already mm. feel less than because I'm jealous of someone who seems like greater than me in some way. And then I feel so small and ugly for feeling jealous that I also feel ashamed of that. So it's like this double whammy. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, I'm struck as I hear you the way that humiliation kept falling so closely on the heels of every moment you felt jealous. And I think that's part of what makes it so hard to talk about is the whole thing just feels so awful. Right. You know, it's so funny because as you're talking, there's this part of me that went, well, I'm jealous of you because you're an MD and you do this radio thing. And yet, you know, what's so interesting is there's so much relief when it gets named. Like you telling me that actually makes me feel like, oh, okay, we can be closer. It's like when we right. hide it, that it becomes a barrier. Right. Because it creates community. It creates connection. Yes, it's also the relief of realness, I think. Like, ah, oh, okay. Phew, we don't have to pretend. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. And I think that's a gift. You know, the other thing I'm struck by um, is I recently gave a talk where I confessed some of my jealousy, and I was really nervous to do it. I was really anxious. So I did a lot of work with it to make sure I had, you know, plumbed the depths of my jealousy in every way I could. And one of the things I found out about it, really, it wasn't so much about the jealousy I felt in relation to my sister. 
it was actually how I was relating to the parts of me that felt less good. You know, it was a way I was feeling about a part of me I was judging as weak or as a failure in relation to her. And I'm so struck that jealousy seems like it's about the relationship to the other person. But really, I think it's symptomatic of the of the way I treat the very vulnerable parts of myself. And it sounds like the same, like some part of you that thought you weren't smart enough or good enough. It was your relationship to that. Right. And I think it's our relationship to our idealized self. Uh, say more. Well, I know that for me, when I don't experience myself as my idealized self, which is like always, then when I see someone else who I experience as being their idealized self, I feel shame, humiliation, jealousy, because I'm not there, wherever there is. Okay, so what's the solution to that? Should we just like lower the bar on our idealized self? In shamanism, they talk about Aini, which is in right relationship with. I think that if we can continue to strive to be the best we can be, whatever that means, then it takes it into another realm, which is non-competitive. Sometimes I try to think about jealousy as an opportunity um, to get clear on a new direction I should be headed in. Like if I'm jealous of someone, that's a clue. I think of it almost like like a trail of crumbs, a set of clues. Like, oh, if I'm jealous of that, that must mean I should, I'm wanting that. Like I need to figure out how to pursue that. Well, that's also true. And one of the things that keeps getting getting me is the I heard somewhere that we're only jealous of those things which we can achieve. What do you think that means? Do you think that's true? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, But like, for example, I don't want to be president of the United States. I have no jealousy towards being president. Right. So maybe it is, again, that clue about what you really want. Maybe it's that we're only jealous of the things we really want. I think that's accurate. But that is different than the things we could actually have. (laughs) Yes. I I like what you said. It's about the recognition of what we want to bring forth within ourselves and that we have the capacity to do. That's a stretch for me, like, to think about that, but I like it. I like that. It's, it feels a little scary, but to claim that, I want you to be right. I mean, you know, I think we, I'm going to do it. I invite you to do it. Um, Just think about what it is that your jealousy, what's a yearning that it earmarks. And then it changes it completely. It becomes a teacher. On that note, Monique, thank you so much. (laughs) This has been such a pleasure. Well, ditto. I was really nervous about this, but it's been a delight. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I took the chance. Me too. Part of what was so fun about this conversation for me was the way it kind of went live. We moved from talking about her story to feeling and naming the jealousy between us right at the moment it was unfolding. The 
felt so freeing to acknowledge it together. Instead of making us feel more competitive, it actually made us trust each other more and feel closer. Our next story is from Jay, who shows us that even ministers get jealous. I'm Jay from Kentucky. I want to tell a story about, a very painful story about jealousy. Jealousy that I've had for a friend for a long time. So I was working in a nonprofit organization on hunger issues and was actually part of the hiring team that hired my dear friend. And immediately we just became very close and bonded and um, we would run together and um, eat together and had just lots of great times together. And I got married, then she got married, and I got pregnant, then she got pregnant, and our lives really paralleled one another. And she and her husband moved to a house very close to us. And and then I um, decided to pursue um, becoming a minister. She and I both had Masters of Divinity and she came from a from Princeton, and I had come from a um, unknown seminary, shall we say. Um, she had also gone to an Ivy League undergrad school, and it was clear at work we were both doing the same kind of work that people would often talk about how great she was in the field, how articulate she was. And so there was already this kind of growing um, feeling towards her of um, feeling a little um, not as well-educated. She also came from a family that had a lot of money and um, I didn't. So there was a lot of wealth around her, a lot of support. She had many brothers and aunts and uncles and cousins, and I don't. So um, she, it just seemed like she had a lot and I didn't. That, that's kind of the growing feeling that was developing inside of me. And it never, it rarely came out between us. It was just this kind of growing darkness inside of me. And so I became ordained and um, she didn't. She had a family and some serious issues with the child. So she, she didn't pursue ordination for quite a long time. At some point, they, she moved with her husband um, pretty far from Kentucky. So I didn't see her for a couple of years. And I, it was so funny that almost the day that she left, I felt some sadness around her leaving. And I also felt this incredible relief. Like I could breathe more deeply, more fully. And it was just like, I didn't have this feeling of comparing myself with her. So several years passed and she came back and moved even closer to my family. And, and then she started pursuing ordination in the same denomination that I, I was in. And I went with her to her ordination interview and 
several of my colleagues were there. And after her um, interview, one of my colleagues said, that was the best interview I've ever heard in the 20 years I've been on this committee. And I had also done an interview in that committee. So I felt this constriction and I almost couldn't breathe. It was like this feeling of she's just the star and I'm not. Um, and then they chose the day that she was going to be ordained. And um, I was assigned to do all this stuff for her, including finding a handmade robe for her and a handmade stole for her. They were going to go all out for her. And um, I could feel the constriction growing more and more. And I, anytime I thought about her or her ordination day or it was just really hard to be with myself. I felt this fullness, this heat rising in me and just almost hatred towards her. Um, and, and this sense of didn't even want to, it was shame. I just didn't even want to look at her. And I had to preach for her ordination. So her ordination day, of course, it's beautiful, sunny, gorgeous day. And her whole family's there and the church is packed. And she was surrounded not only by family and friends, but also gifts. And um, it was just an incredibly painful day for me. I can even feel it right now. It was just... I just felt like nothing. I felt like I wasn't there. And from the floor to the ceiling, she filled up every corner. It was all about her. And um, I remember after the ordination service was over that she was having a reception downstairs. And I went downstairs and I noticed all these people around her um, hugging her and and I couldn't even walk into the reception. I was so um, flustered and again, it was that feeling of just I'm nothing, she's everything and I hate her. It was this feeling of just pure hate. And so I left. I didn't go I didn't go to the reception. I left. I couldn't, I could not be there. I could not breathe. And I just felt so incredibly jealous of her and all that she had. And I couldn't even think about all that I had. You know, I just couldn't even remind myself of everything that I had. Um, so our friendship continues and and she has her own church now in Kentucky and I have my own church and we're still in the same city together and I try to make sure we're not on the same committees together or um or work together on 
projects so that I can take care of myself and and there are still times where the jealousy is overwhelming to me and I can't be with her and um, and I've and I've figured out how to continue to be her I still love her and I to be her friend and just not in the ministry world. I just try to only be with her in the world where we can walk our dogs and and share our families together and share food and just not be in this ministerial world where people have compared us. And I always feel like I lose. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm even feeling that right now, just that. That sense of um, nothingness at times when I'm standing beside her. Um, so that's my continuing saga of the feeling of jealousy. So I hear you describing it as this kind of darkness that's rising in you and, you know, at times feeling hatred for this person that you also love. And have you been able to kind of befriend this darkness inside you? Like, how does it go inside you around hating this part of yourself versus kind of having compassion for it? How has that process evolved? I think Part of me says, I should be a better person than this. How can I not celebrate my friend? I couldn't even go to a reception. And someone said to me one time, well, she's your Zen teacher. I didn't like that. I wanted to slap them. <laughs> um, and I think there's an element of truth to that of she's taught me that the feelings of jealousy are not about her. They're about me and my feeling of not being enough. And so just to turn to that part and that doesn't feel like it matters in her shadow that I didn't get a good enough education or I didn't have enough money or I didn't. She's also, by the way, gorgeous. <laughs> and, um, and her dog is cuter than mine. I mean, there's just this, all this. <laughs> Adding insult to injury. <laughs> Keep it coming. So it's at times hard when it's so overwhelming. Um, and that's when I, I literally get, go to my knees and just ask for help from the universe to help me love my friend um, and help me to love myself. I understand that you decided at some point to tell her that you were struggling with this. How did that go? Well, it was pretty clear I didn't go to the reception. <laughs> she noticed that? She noticed. And we had a couple of really hard conversations about how difficult that was for me. And she was... She was good. I mean, she just listened. And I think for her, she thinks that she, her presence in my life causes me pain. And that's hard for her. Um, 
So that's why I said I kind of keep our world separate. I just try to share our home life together instead of our ministerial world together. It's I want to get to a point where I can fully celebrate her, fully celebrate her. So, Jay, I know that when I feel this way towards someone, part of how I try to manage it inside is I try to talk myself down. I try to remind myself of like things about them that are kind of annoying or ways in which they suffer, too. And I, you know, I try to get that to help take them down from this position I've put them in. Do you do that with her? I know how much she suffers with um, all three of her. She has two girls and a boy and all three of them have struggled with different things. It's been very hard. Um, I've seen her suffer enormously. She has a tough marriage. And uh, I've been with her for many years throughout all of that. I don't know that that helps in the in the kind of valley times with her where I I feel that she's better than I am as a minister and or more articulate or more whatever and that's how powerful jealousy is even though I know we all crap on the same pot and I think that helps definitely but she just keeps going even though she suffers enormously she's still seems to just keep going, you know, and keep doing her incredible things in life to look good, to have a beautiful dog, beautiful house. (laughs) Right. If anything, it makes her even more enviable because she's like such a, she's such an incredible coper. Yes. God, I would be underground with all that she deals with. Mm. So let me ask you this, Jay. What I heard you say was that it felt like it was really finally actually not about her at all, but it had to do with a part of you that feels like you don't matter and that you kind of feel like not enough. Right. And so knowing that, has it changed the way you relate to that part of yourself? Yeah. In fact, um, what I, I actually came to and some, my own work on all of this is that she reminds me a lot of my mother. Um, my mother was the Southern Belle, quite beautiful, incredibly intelligent, very articulate. So it really wasn't, it is not about this other woman. It is really about my relationship with my mom, who died many years ago. But it, it brought all that up, which was a great gift for me to look at my relationship with my mother and how jealous I was of her. So, yeah, the good news is that it really doesn't have anything to do with my friend. It has to do with this little one inside of me that didn't know what to do with this larger-than-life Southern Belle. So just working with that has been enormously helpful. I love that. I thank you so much for sharing this because there's that terrible shame of feeling alone with this jealousy. And I feel like your story is a gift. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you. I want to tell a quick story of my own. 
25 years ago, a friend of mine stunned me by confessing that she was jealous of me. I don't even remember what for. It was the first time that anyone had ever told me that. I asked her how she had the courage to tell me. Wasn't she afraid I would have power over her? And she said, oh no, Anne, when I was hiding it, you did have power over me. But now that I've told you, I just got my power back. I never forgot that. I think that jealousy has so much power precisely because we are ashamed of it and we hide it. But when we express it and see how easily other people understand the feelings that made us feel so small and ugly, it is such a relief. Next week, we'll be turning to the topic of humiliation. We'll be airing stories and conversations about times when you really feel like dirt, either because someone treated you that way or because you feel mortified by something you've done and then how you dig your way out. If you like this show and want to hear more of our series on the emotions that we hide, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Safe Space Radio. And you can find us on the web at safespaceradio.com and listen to any of our past shows. While you're there, please leave a comment and subscribe to our email list to find out about each week's new show as soon as it's released. And if you want to be in touch with me, please email me at dranne at safespaceradio.com. That's D-R-A-N-N-E at safespaceradio.com. I'd love to hear from you. My thanks to Gabe Graben for producing the show and to Jim Russell for being our editorial advisor. Coming up next is Speak Freely.